this week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Yes, well, I'm in the kitchen right now. Joke, joke. Hello, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season four, episode 19 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, After Boom. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, New Moon Rising. Both were good. Yeah, I enjoyed myself. Yeah. We've been watching all kinds of stuff lately. Yeah. We watched... The Power of the Dog, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I feel like I didn't enjoy while we were watching it, but then we talked about it forever and like rewatched some scenes. Yeah, it's it was interesting, right? And I got the end because I feel like yeah, actively I didn't love the movie while I'm watching it, but it was thought provoking. Mm-hmm. That's our review of Power of the Dog. Yeah, which might say more about just like my attention span, or you know what I mean? Or- right. If you're expecting a western, I'd say it's not a western. No, it's more like a family drama. Where they happen to work on a ranch. Yeah, and they love their saddles. Yeah. Like, they're doing cowboy shit, but it's kind of just in the background. Yeah. We also watched season four of Ozark. Mm-hmm. We plowed through that. We'd like to plow through the next part of it. Please release it, Netflix. Yeah, we want to plow through it. We've been watching Search Party, the final season. That show is crazy. Every season, they're just like, all right, we're throwing away everything we did last season, and we're doing something totally different. They acknowledge what happened. They don't say, like, that didn't happen. It's just like, none of that's really important. Now we're doing something totally different. I think everything's important. It's just like a different genre every season. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of found that show late, but have sort of binged it all in the last few months. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, I like it a lot. But this last season is wild. Yeah, super wild. Did we watch anything else? Nothing worth mentioning. Yeah, we watch a lot of embarrassing stuff we're not even going to tell you about. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, should we tell them about the wine? Yeah, let's do that. They might not know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case you forgot, we have a partnership with Wink.com, which is a online wine company that lets you take a quiz to find out what kind of wines you like, and then they send you those wines to your home. And if you sign up by clicking the link in our episode description or social media bio and use the promo code GilmoreSlayer at checkout, you can get your first four bottles of wine for $29.95 plus free shipping. And it's really great because we're terrible at knowing the right kind of wine. And now through Wink, we've figured out what we like. Yeah. We're like, more of that kind, please. Please, please. And it's also nice because it is a monthly thing. Like every month, they're like, it's time to order wine. What would you like? But you can skip it if you want. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's a financial burden because you can skip if you're not feeling like spending money or drinking. Yeah. It's always there if you need it. You should try Wink. It's really good. We were actually quite surprised by how good some of the wines were. Yeah, this last one we drank was lovely. It was like a Grenache. And side note, we got a wine from the store the other day, and it wasn't as good as we wanted it to be. Yeah, it was... You should order from Wink. <laughs> Don't ever trust the store. We made a mistake. Well, now it's time to talk about shows. Okay. This week we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell all of the Gilmore Slayers about Afterboom. I gave them a name. The Gilmore Slayers? That's our fans. Right, right, right. I, yeah, I put it... <laughs> do we get to decide that, or do they get to decide? They, they can... I, I don't know. If you don't like it, reject it and come up with a name for yourself. I was going to call them the Rory Gang. Because of the Scooby Gang? Yeah. Hmm. The Gilmore Gang? The Gilmore Scoobies? The Scooby Slayers? Scooby Girls? Yeah, you guys talk amongst yourselves, but um, Gilmore Slayers seems to make the most sense. Yeah. Anyway, Brian, 
So this episode, After Boom, is all about dealing with the fallout of tick, 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 boom. Did I do too many ticks? I think so. Well, tick, tick, tick. You just, there's a lot of tick and then boom. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to address. If you guys don't remember in the last episode, Jason's father, Floyd, told Richard and Jason he was going to sue them into oblivion. And Richard told Jason that he had faith in him and trusted him. But then at the end of the episode, we find out that Richard is actually double-crossing Jason and going back into business with Floyd and leaving Jason with nothing. And Jason and Lorelai's relationship came to light. Mm-hmm. This episode starts with Luke running into Lorelai on their way to the post office. Well, on their way to mailboxes, etc. Yeah. Which is, of course, where Kirk works. Did we already know about this place? Because there was that mailbox episode where he was trying to give, like, special mailboxes to Lorelai. I think that's unrelated. It's a different business. Who knows? I mean, maybe. I didn't see his mailboxes on display. Yeah, I didn't either. But that's why I was like, it seems similar, but who knows? Luke is going there to get his divorce papers notarized. He's finally decided to go through with the divorce. But Lorelai thinks it's just wrong for some reason. She seems to think that it should be more ceremonial, that he needs to do it at a lawyer's office or at a friend's house or something. Honestly, I don't really see what the problem is. He's been wanting to get a divorce for a long time, and she's, like, literally with another man, so why does he need to do something like that? But Luke keeps telling her she's a lot of work. Yeah, she, he does. Well, she's there to get stamps, and she is immediately enthralled by Kirk's unique stamp offerings. Kirk and Lorelai get, like, really into different stamps about 50s TV shows, and it's a pretty funny exchange that Luke, like, cannot stand at all. She asks Kirk if he's got any Lucille Ball stamps left, and then he's like, yes, I have some balls. (laughs) Luke's just, like, wants to say something so bad. It's funny because Lorelai was like, you shouldn't get divorced here. And Luke's like, no, it'll be fine. And then it was super distracting to get divorced there. Because of her and Kirk. Right. Well, she essentially was like, I will i don't have to go in there with you. Right. And he's like, yeah, just go in there with me. The next day, Lorelai is at Luke's again, where Luke complains that Kirk's cheap notary ink won't wash off his thumb. I think my grandma had the toaster oven that he's fixing. And Lorelai gets a call on her cell phone, so she has to step outside. And I have to say, I'm very happy that Luke, like, for once enforced his cell phone policy with her. Yeah. Not as proud of him for his stance on babies from last week. He's got very specific stances. I agree with about 50% of the time. So Lorelai steps outside and answers the phone. Well, she answers Rory's phone because Rory accidentally left it at her house. There's a fun exchange where Rory asks, who is this? And Lorelai says, it's Lorelai Gilmore. And Rory says, no, I'm Lorelai Gilmore. But while she's talking, Lorelai's actual phone rings. And it's Jason on his way to the driving range. He is determined to better his golf game to stop embarrassing Richard on the course. So now we have a two cell phone conversation going on. Luke comes out and just, like, feeds Lorelai a bite of Danish and then leaves. Rory goes on to tell her that she wrote a paper for Asher Fleming's class, but she thinks the paper sucked. Lorelai's like, I'm sure it was great. And Rory's like, you have to say that. You're my mom. And Lorelai's like, oh, no, I'm not. I was waiting for the right time to tell you. I thought that was a really funny exchange. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Lane is having a band meeting, while Brian and Zach are sort of also having the meeting while playing Soul Calibur. Is that a real game? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was made up. No, it's a real game. They're, they're saying real things from the real game. Hmm. Sounded made up. They're going to have another gig, and they're making their guest list. Gil got a sitter, so he wants to make sure his wife's on the guest list. Brian's parents are going to be there, and his aunt is going to be there, which means his cousin is going to come. His cousin Turner, who goes everywhere dressed as Zorro. And he's 16. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When Brian mentions that he's got a cousin that dresses like Zorro, Zach's like, well, at least that's one less wedding you have to go to. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah. 
Zach also has a few girls he recently met that he wants to put on the guest list. Their names are written on napkins in his pocket. So rock and roll. Yeah. But he gives them like one set of napkin names and then he's like, whoa, hold on, wait, and gives them a different set of napkin names? So I'm just very curious how these napkins came into his possession. He's got a filing system. Yeah, I guess so. Gil is excited to show them this new flyer he's made for the group. It's based on his sandwich shop flyer, so in the prototype he's showing them, there's just like a huge sandwich in the middle. He assures them that it won't be on the final flyer. Uh, Prediction, we're going to see a flyer with a sandwich on it and a Zorro boy at some point in this episode. I mean, you've seen the rest of the episode. This is what I thought at the moment, though. Oh. Uh, My predictions are correct. Fun fact, the name of the band is on the flyer, but they don't say it in this episode, and they haven't said it, to my knowledge, yet in the show. Yeah, I keep saying Lane's band, because they haven't said the name of the band yet. It's, um, spoilers, Hep Alien. Hep Alien? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And fun fact, it's an anagram of Helen Pye. She works on the show. She's one of the producers, and I think she's Amy Sherman Palladino's, like, real-life best friend, and Lane is basically based on her. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know that it means anything besides that. I think it's just an anagram. Seeing the sandwich reminds them all that they're all hungry, poor, and have no food in the house. Side note, the sandwich is called the Meeple Explosion, which is a dumb sandwich name. It sounds like the name you give to a sandwich when you're making it up on the spot. Well, which they probably did. were, yeah. People would say that about Panera all the time, like, the like, bacon explosion. Like, it's not a thing, man. What was it called? Like, the bacon? Bacon turkey bravo. Okay. Okay, everybody? <laughs> It's clear that Lane is the only one out of this group who's responsible. That's not true. I feel like Gil is actually pretty responsible, too. Yeah. But besides Gil, she's the only one that's that's responsible. Yeah, she's getting forced into being the mom. Yeah. She has to make the guest list, and she has to go get the food for everybody in the house. She's also wearing a tie, so you know she's in charge. Yeah, she's a businesswoman. Yeah. On her way to the store to get food, Lane notices Mrs. Kim saying goodbye to a new Korean daughter. What? What? This girl is, like, leaving Mrs. Kim, and Mrs. Kim is putting, like, a scarf around her. Lane's second least favorite scarf, by the way, and giving her an apple and looking very happy and proud of this girl. Lane kind of just, like, stares in shock and then just, like, walks away. Uh, I would, too. I, I, like, what the hell is happening right now? Yeah, if your parents got a new boy. Yeah. A new boy in his mid-30s. I wouldn't put it past him. Meanwhile, Jason is struggling at the driving range when he runs into one of his and Richard's clients. Jason tries to talk to him, but the guy clearly does not want to talk to Jason and says he'll just call Richard about those changes tomorrow and then sort of like abruptly says goodbye. So Jason's sort of like, hmm, we'll get back to that. At the end, we finally get to see Michelle shine at his job. So many times I'm kind of like, why does Michelle have a job? He like doesn't want to do anything. He's always complaining and he's mean. But he is killing it right now. He is hilariously leading a group of travel agents through the inn, telling all kinds of stories about how the woodwork was all hand-carved by a Union soldier who also made the stairs. This is all fake, right? I don't know. Probably not. Well, because uh, all the woodwork, they had contractors, like, redo, like, everything. We saw, yeah, maybe he built the original stairs, but we saw, like, Dean and Rory making the stairs. You're right. Yeah, I do think he was talking about the original stairs. So maybe they, like, redid parts of it or something? But, like, all the woodwork? I, I mean, maybe. Maybe. But it seems to me like this is all fake. Because also he comes by and there's just a deer outside that he somehow, like, happened to have by the window at that time. It seems like he is manufacturing all of these, like, little moments. That's true. But it was a real deer he somehow got to arrive Well, I mean, cue. if you put feet out there and, like, w- knew when it was going to be around. 
You got to do whatever works. Yeah. Well, anyway, my point is he is killing it. And he's being super fucking charming. And they absolutely love him. He's even, like, set to release doves at some point. Suki is excited to be cooking again. He mentions her delicious cookies that he's got for everybody. She's her herself because she's been cooking for two seconds. And she's off on her way to the doctor. She's all like, I'm back. And we're like, you, when you say you're back, you mean like... Clumsy Suki's back. Clumsy Suki's back, yeah. Yeah, it did seem like that was like sort of a wink, wink. That's yeah. what they mean. Yeah, she hurt her foot cooking. She's being like carried out. Yeah, and she's going to go to the doctor. She's like, oh, I love that doctor. She goes a lot. <laughs> that was fun. Jason stops by the end to tell Lorelai that her father is avoiding him because, Jason's found out, Richard has secretly left the company to go work with Jason's father, leaving Jason with no clients whatsoever. And also, Richard is bad-mouthing him and ruining his reputation, meaning that Jason can't work in the town anymore because his whole reputation there is sullied. He might need to move. He kind of just, like, babbles this all out at Lorelai, who's pretty supportive, and he, like, thanks her for letting him vent, uh, and she invites him inside to be more supportive, and he's like, no, no, I I have to go try to fix this. At Yale, Paris and Rory are attending a book signing for Professor Asher Fleming's new book. The book is called Jaglon, and it looks thick as fuck. Maybe he's overcompensating. You think so? Yeah, you know what they say. Big book, little brain. (laughs) What do you mean? Oh, you mean his, his dick? Yeah. Like how men get fancy cars or whatever. Yeah. He just makes thick books. Because <laughs> his Jaglon's small? Yep. Well, interestingly, there's like, it seems to be like quite a few young female students besides Paris who are like clearly obsessed with him. Like there's one redheaded woman who's buying a book for everyone she knows, clearly flirting with him. And Paris is all like, who hasn't tried the buy many books move? Paris doesn't really seem to mind. No, she isn't. I mean, she like is condescending to the girls, but she doesn't seem annoyed or intimidated by them. Exactly. She doesn't seem like worried that he's going to leave her for a different girl. Yeah. And it's and she says it's because the book is dedicated to her, even though the dedication only says to a wise, willful, wonderful woman. She's sure it's her, though. He simply can't use her name right now because of their student professor relationship. By the way, the sign that says Yale Bookstore yeah. is in the stupidest font. Yes, agreed. I mean, it's in a regular font, but it's like every other letter is capitalized and like not the first one. And it's just like on the paper weird. It looks like a T.S. Eliot poem. Yeah, it looks like some non-graphic designer threw this together. Yeah. Uh, it also seemed like the girl who's running it seems to be flirty with him too. I don't know if that was intentional or what. Yeah, that felt very intentional. Yeah. Paris notices that he might need some water, so she's like, I'm going to go get him some, and Doyle shows up. Doyle, interestingly, tells Rory that Asher gets a new student girlfriend every year, although he doesn't know who this year's girl is yet. He says this year's girl, the title of that Buffy episode. Yeah, so I think it's Faith. Yeah, it's probably Faith. So we've talked about this a little bit before, but like this idea that all these girls are into this guy because he's smart, like maybe that's a thing at Yale and Harvard. I mean, I guess the guy's attractive, but I just he seems very old for... I don't find him attractive, but I, he's not unattractive for an older man. I think if you're going to date an older man, he's got to be rich, smart and or funny, or handsome. Like, at least one of the three. and Like, maybe at least two of the three. Well, he is smart. They made that clear. The dude is very smart. Right. Maybe that's enough for Paris. I don't know. I just, I don't really get it. I just feel like it's one of those things that, like, yes, occasionally he might find a woman who would be so into his brilliance. It's just like all these young women, like, wanting him so bad. I mean, I just don't think he's that hot. Let me know what you think. Yeah, but, again, maybe this happens at schools where really smart people go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know? I don't know. I didn't 
super experience this. All my old smart professors weren't hot. Yeah. But also if he has a reputation for dating younger women, they might be like, maybe me. Right. Maybe some sort of badge of honor in a way. I don't know. But I do feel like a lot of the draw of dating an older man is money. And they've made it clear he's not rich. Right. Maybe there's something to be said about like wisdom and experience too. Lorelai goes to see her father at home and confronts him about ostracizing Jason and just can't understand why he would go back to a company that treated him so poorly and forced him out. Richards insists it was just a business decision he had to make because Floyd was threatening everything he and Emily had. Lorelai apologizes for keeping the relationship secret, but like really tries to appeal to her father saying that he can't just destroy Jason and his career. You know, Jason will have to move. And Rich is just like, so? Then move with him. She can't. She has a new inn and a Rory. And a house. She says all that. And Richards is like, well, you know, I'm tired of this. You've shown no concern for what happens to me or your mother. The only thing you care about was what happens to your boyfriend. And the worst part of it is I never expected you to act differently. That's the sentence that burns, right? Ooh, yeah. That's the one that's like, ow, 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 daddy, no. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> yeah. That's what her face said. But Emily's in the peeping stairs. Yes, as they're known in fancy houses. Well, this is where Lorelai and Christopher were in that flashback episode when they were talking about them. Yeah, Emily hears all of this. And when Lorelai leaves, Emily follows Richard into his study. And essentially, it's just like, you know, is this absolutely necessary? Like, do you have to do all this? She's really worried that by hurting Jason like this, it's going to push Lorelai and Rory out of their lives again. And Emily's like, we just got them back in our lives. Richard is, like, super dismissive and super condescending of Emily here. He's all like, I thought you hated being lied to, and we can't control what Lorelai does, and Rory won't go away. I'm doing what I had to do. And then he just goes back to reading his book like he's not in the middle of a fight with his wife. I don't think Emily likes that. No, and it's it's funny because, like, this whole season we've been building up to this, like, you know, Richard doesn't really seem to be that interested in her or pay that close attention to her or appreciate her. But then after the ashes, she seemed to be like, well, maybe he's turning a different leaf. But this is sort of like, no, I don't care about your concerns. Ashes? Yeah. From uh, the boom explosion? (laughs) uh, No, from his mother's ashes. Oh, right, the ashes. I thought you meant the metaphorical ashes. No, I meant the literal ashes of his mother. Right. That sounded dark. Which she leaves the room and smashes all over the ground. She kept them? Just a couple for a moment like this. Well, it's, it's interesting because, like, in this scene, it's not clear Emily's, like, furious at him. No, right? she, like, storms out, but they don't, like, have a blow up. Right. But it obviously doesn't end on, like, a high note. Back again at Yale, Rory's on her way to pick up her paper from Asher Fleming's class, the one that she thinks she probably didn't do very well on. And she's talking to Rory about Mrs. Kim's replacement daughter. She's talking to Lane. Yep. She's not talking to herself. No. Rory? What'd you think about Lane? <laughs> the same thing you think. Okay, Rory. Good talk. It's funny because Rory is like, your mom didn't just go out and get a new kid. And Lane's like, uh, Korea's where you go to get new kids. (laughs) So it's a good chance. When Rory hangs up, she finds her paper, the one she expected to do poorly on, and she's got an A. I might have talked about this before. One time I turned in a paper and I had like spent all night on it. It was literally worth like 50% of your grade for this class. I turned it in. It was just like delirious by the time I finished this paper. It was like, I don't know, 20, 30 pages. It was like so long. But then I realized at some point when I got home that I had forgotten to turn the first page in. Like, it just got, like, shuffled or something weird when I had clipped it, and I didn't turn the first page in. So this 50% of my grade paper is just missing the first page. And I don't mean the title page. I mean the first page. Didn't you notice it didn't have, like, a title? Or did it have the title page? It had the title page. I see. So you weren't looking inside. And I was like, well, that's 
not good. No. And the teacher was very specific about like there are no late papers. It's either in on time or it's not. He was like very strict. So I was just like, well, I'm going to get like maybe a D in this class. Maybe I can just ace everything and get a C. I don't know. When he gives the papers back, he's like, everybody pretty much failed. He's like, I gave a lot of Fs. There was only two A's. The rest were all at, which is interesting about the two A's. But anyway, we get our papers back. I have a fucking A. And I'm like, what? And I look, and it just so happens that the way the second page starts, it starts at a paragraph break. Mm. And it actually totally works as an introduction. That's funny. Like, all the preamble that was before it wasn't necessary. I was, like, too wordy. Did he dock you for starting it on page two? (laughs) I don't think the pages were numbered. Mm. And it was, like, this miracle coincidence (laughs) that it worked out. And that man was Asher Fleming. Yeah, I did date him for a while. He was not hot, but so smart. It's funny in this scene, too, because she's, like, on Paris's phone because her mom has hers. And she's talking about only having a few minutes left. Remember minutes? yeah. I was just thinking that. She's like, oh, her regular, like, exorbitant priced minutes are about to start. And I was like, what? What? Nights and weekends. Oh, yeah. That was a thing. Yeah. We had to be careful about when we spoke to people. Yeah, now it's just whatever. We're also, not- no one calls anyone yeah, anymore. Yeah, we don't call anyone. Yeah. Remember when texts weren't free? Oh, you had to, like, pay cents for texts? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Anyway, speaking of Rory's phone, later that day, Lorelai stops by her dorm to drop off Rory's phone. She also mentions that she's not coming to Friday night dinner because of her fight with Richard. She's like, it was real bad. It's gotten way worse. Richard said some really awful things. Rory, like, begs her mom to come to Friday night dinner because it's the only opportunity she has to be with the whole family. And she thinks that Richard probably feels bad about some of the things he said. And Rory's sure that he will try to make things right if Lorelai just gives him a chance. Rory's pretty much saying, like, you guys both probably said some mean stuff. You guys both get that way when you get upset. But dad will fix it. He's a good guy. She calls him dad. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. She's like, it's not your dad. So Lorelai's like, eh, okay, maybe. Meanwhile, Lena's working at Luke's, where she runs into Kirk. Kirk has some questions about how to get that sandwich on her band flyer. They didn't take the sandwich off. Obviously they didn't. We all knew that was going to happen. He's like, um, does anyone who come get the sandwich, or is it first come, first sandwich? <laughs> thought that was really funny. So there's no sandwiches? Can I bring my own sandwich? That was great. While she's talking, she notices her replacement daughter outside. So she just rushes out to confront her. This girl is an exchange student from Seoul, and Miss Kim is her host. That's it. No mommy-daughter stuff. Yeah, but Lane doesn't believe any of that. Lane's, like, very upset with her, just, like, questioning her with all these, like, pointed questions. And she's like, I'm mad at you because you stole my life. And the poor girl's like, I didn't steal your life. And then she just starts, like, cursing her out in Korean, which is really funny because Lane couldn't understand the Korean, so she's just responding to it in English, though. Yeah. I think they've set up that Lane doesn't, like, super speak Korean. But But she understands all the things she's saying. Like, she's like, don't feel bad for my mother. Yeah. Back at Yale, Rory stays back after class to talk to Professor Fleming about her grade. She says she doesn't feel like she deserved her grade. And he's like, uh, well, that's a first. Someone complaining about their A. He says there's only two A's. Huh. Huh. Maybe she forgot her first page. It really was good, Rory. You gotta have some faith. Just trim it down. She goes on to say that she just wants to be sure she's getting the grade she deserves. And, you know, she isn't getting any special treatment, no matter how many wise, witty, and wonderful women she might know. Willful. You're right. Although I will say that Paris is witty, too. Yeah. He should have added that. 
When she goes to leave, though, he insists that he only gives people grades that they've earned and that her argument was, like, really well-structured. He even cites, like, specific things she said in her paper and, like, connections that she made that he said were, like, at Ph.D. level. And he also cautions her against questioning his grading methods again. So it seems to me, like, he, when she said the thing about the dedication, it, like, he was like, okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. And he said that, you know, I caution you from questioning my grading again. Do you think he was talking about the grades? Do you think he was like, you know, maybe don't bring that shit up again? I think maybe both. But I also think he did legit give her an A. Right. The fact that he was, like, citing all that stuff from her paper was like, oh, you read it and remembered it. It wasn't just a whatever. She's good. But then she leaves saying the redhead has fat thighs. I hated that. Rory's, like, a smart person and caring person and it was just like that what a silly insult i don't know yeah i mean it's like fat shamey but it's also like don't rock the boat with this guy that just kind of told you what he thought of you yeah but it's also just like yeah don't leave my girlfriend like be shallow man you know it'd be like paris has got bigger boobies like what yeah yeah you should say that redhead seems like she's a bit dumb or she's like ditzy or she's obsessed and then in a scary way like i don't know I kind of don't buy that Rory would have the balls to, like, say this after he just kind of embarrassed her. Also, I didn't think she had fat thighs. I didn't see him, but probably not. I rewatched. I didn't think she had fat thighs. Did they show her thighs? There's a lot of thigh footage. Okay. I don't know that you watched the right thing. That was something else, maybe. I watched a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> At Friday night dinner. Oh, boy. It's a good one. The girls arrive early with Rory, like, ushering Lorelai reluctantly to the door. She's reassuring her that things will be fine. But then a surprise Richard answers the door. They're he's, early. Yeah, he seems surprised, one, that Lorelai is there, but also that they're early. And they mention that it's because there was no traffic. <laughs> he's, like, clearly flustered about something, but, like, he's still trying to be positive. It's just, like, clearly something's, like, not right. Immediately he asks if they hit traffic. Yeah, and they're like, no. We just said no. He doesn't seem sure what he's supposed to do. He's like, you're early, so I'm not quite organized yet. Then he remembers that he should make them all drinks. Then remembers that he needs ice, and then it's in the kitchen. He doesn't take their coats. Sounds like an alien took over his body and isn't sure of the protocol. He's not usually the host either. Right, right. It's like he remembers a Friday night dinner from 10 years ago. and is trying to remember what they did then. Roy points out he doesn't seem mad, and Lorelai's like, depends on the definition. Then Emily arrives? Where were you, Emily? Yeah, she's like, walks in with her coat, and then she's also very surprised that the girls are there early, and also, like, super flustered. Emily says that she was at the store, and that's why she's just showing up, and Lorelai's like, what'd you get? And Emily just says, uh, they were out. <laughs> they were out. Yeah, I'm like, what, huh, what? Then Richard comes out with the ice, and Emily's like, is that ice? <laughs> No. Yeah, and then Richard just, like, drops a bunch of the ice on the ground. (laughs) Watching this, I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Did they just get caught, like, having sex? That's what it feels like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You almost get caught having sex, and you're trying to play it off like nothing happened, and it's like, we're just at this McDonald's, guys. Nothing's happening. Emily, like, hangs onto her purse. Yeah, she sits down with her purse, and Lorelai's like, you've got your purse. (laughs) Emily's like, oh, yeah, I'm... (laughs) I'm trying to break it in. Lorelai's like, yeah, otherwise you'd get blisters. Then Richard asks about school, and Rory retells them that she got an A. She had just mentioned it. To Emily, yeah. Yeah, and then he reacts like it's the first time he's heard it. Lorelai is like, has she told you about the traffic? (laughs) (laughs) Eventually tells Rory to just take a shot every time they ask about school or about traffic. Then, to everybody's shock, the maid announces that dinner is ready. Now? 
She's like, because no one told her when to have dinner ready. Emily is like, okay, we could just take our drinks to the table. And Richard grabs some cocktail napkins by the bar cart for them to use. Like, what the hell is happening right now? They got Zach's girlfriend's phone numbers on them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is not the Friday night dinners we are accustomed to. This is more like Friday fly-by-night dinner. <laughs> we even have a moment where Lorelai's like, Emily, you forget your purse. Yeah. And Emily goes like, oh, you have to get it. She's like, I'm kidding. And Emily's like, oh, you... <laughs> She's never reacted to a joke like that once. They're all just, like, shocked that they have to bring their drinks to the table, too. Like, usually they have a whole drink portion before the dinner. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not to mention the cocktail napkins. That's the part that's like, what is happening right now? Yeah. You don't use cocktail napkins ever. Then we cut to them finishing dinner. And sure enough, they've all got their, like, booze and their cocktail napkins. And we just have, like, a barren table. Usually it's just, like, full of all kinds of extravagant centerpieces that Emily bought or arranged. Candles. Apples. But it's just an empty-ass table. They don't even have water. They just have, like, their empty original drinks. Yeah, exactly. It's, these things are crazy off right now. And then there's not going to be any dessert, and Lorelai and Rory are, like, kind of shocked. And Emily's like, oh, it's it's because I'm on a diet. And Richard's like, yeah, Americans are too fat. And Rory's like, Grandma, you're not fat. And Emily says, thank you, Lorelai. To Lorelai? <laughs> and and Lorelai and Rory are like, okay, pretty close. Uh, Let's go now. Then they get up to go, and since there's no dessert, Emily just brings out some, like, bags of Chocolate someone gave her? Yeah. Like Dutch chocolate? I don't know. They're just like to-go bags of chocolate. It was weird. Everything was like very weird and Twilight zone It was bizarre. It was very fun to watch. It was. Especially because you're like, what are they hiding? Did they? It's like they murdered someone and they're just like trying to be cool. I knew what was up, but I don't really remember the scene specifically. It's very funny. It's weird. I super remember Tick, Tick, Boom. A lot of it. Specifically like the Jason and Lorelai and Richard parts. But this episode I didn't remember very well. Well, Friday Night Dinner was the highlight. It was so funny. Yeah. On their way out, Lorelai notices that Emily's car is in the driveway, which is unusual. Then they hide quickly when Emily starts going out to her car with some dry cleaning. Then Emily drives away. Lorelai puts it together that Emily might not be staying at the house. She waited not enough time for them to leave. Yeah, and also should have noticed their car was still there. And they weren't in it. I guess she just, like, tunnel vision for her car and didn't care. Yeah. Yeah, so Emily's not staying there. So I guess we finally know who's living with Nicole. (laughs) Yeah. I guess we don't confirm that that's not it. (laughs) Wait till the next episode. Lane's concert is going fantastic. Everyone is happy about how their set went. It killed. Zach even gives compliments to Lane and to Brian. He compliments Brian on wheezing to the beat. And Brian's like, thanks, I've been practicing. (laughs) Then Brian goes over to his family, his mom, his dad, his aunt, and his cousin Turner, who 100% just dressed as Zorro at the nightclub. (laughs) He's like, hey, Turner. Hey, Turner, yeah. (laughs) Listen, we knew this was going to happen. They telegraphed it, but it's just still super funny to see him there. And he's got, like, Zorro outfit, but, like, super beta energy happening. You and I made a TikTok where we played Brian's parents. Yeah. I totally forgot we actually see them at some point. Yeah, one of them is a, a professor from... Say by the bell Saved high school. Say by the bell, yeah. <laughs> they call them teachers in high school. Yeah, uh, Mr. Dewey yes. is Brian's dad, I guess. Zach even compliments Lane's playing. It's a little weird because he's like, yeah, that is the best you've ever played. It's like the closest Zach does to compliments. Because Zach is sort of a, a mean dude, I feel like, or just a acerbic guy. And she's all like, oh, you gave me a compliment. And I swear to God, there's like a second where it seems like maybe it's romantic. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just, it's just the idea that he complimented her at all. It was like a second of maybe there was something there. But he's there with all those women. But then like his cocktail napkin girls show up. They're like surprised he remembers their name. He says he thinks the pants look good on one of them. And then she's just immediately like, you are a god. They're in love with him for some reason. I don't know what it is. Is he hot? I guess he's hot. I mean, sure. Maybe like a band hot. I guess. Well, he walks off with both of them. And um, if you listen, it's, I, I don't think it's supposed to be like important, but he says to the girls, like, what do you think of the lyrics? Okay, but yeah. the lyrics of their last song were ridiculous, okay? First off, the first part you can't hear. You have no idea what they're saying. You can't understand their words. In fact, Netflix's captions just say, singing indistinctly. <laughs> then they get to the chorus, and the chorus is just, black coat, white shoes, black hat, Cadillac, yeah, the boy's a time bomb, over and over again. Great impression. Just a list, and then the boy's a time bomb. So he's off to hook up with his ladies. Gil immediately goes over to his wife, and they're having, like, some hardcore cuddles. With their mouths. With their mouths. Um, yeah, That's yeah. what we call making out. Yep. Uh, I call that cuddling. We call them hardcore cuddles. Yeah, I just meant he was making out with his, like, wife a lot. In fact, Zach at one point was like, oh, it's gross. It's like, no, what? That's fine. I think they were trying to make sure that was his wife. Felt like a groupie makeout. Yeah, it was his wife. Gil's a good guy. Okay, guys? Gil's a good guy. He loves his family so much. Yeah, he's allowed to be into his wife. No one's fighting you. <laughs> well, Zach is. Oh, right. Zach's like, ugh, it should be illegal or something. It's like, dude, come on, man. Nothing wrong with that. Lane is the only one without somebody to celebrate with. So then, to the tune of some thoughtful Gilmore Girl la-la-las, she sneaks back into her mom's house and then creepily watches both her and the exchange students sleep for a bit? Yeah. This party is weird, dude. You said this party's weird? <laughs> this party is weird. People are sleeping. Lane's the only one awake? Come on. This party is not bumping. She's kissing people on the forehead? Cuddling. She does kiss her mom on the forehead. That was kind of sweet. Yeah, but like this part where she like, especially, especially the exchange student is weird. Like it's a little bit of a violation to like watch someone sleep. She's got a key. Does that make it okay? Uh, no, it's weird. But it's also sad and sweet that she misses her mom. If like not sweet la la la's were playing and there was like a different like violin song. That's true. There could have been horror mu- music over this and it would have been a much different vibe. Yeah. If I were Mrs. Kim and I woke up and saw Lane like staring at me like that, I'd be like, oh, you here to slit my throat? Is that what's happening right now? She's got a knife under her pillow for sure. Oh, for sure. And a Bible, a heavy one. I feel like there's enough of the other side of the bed shown in this shot that you can tell there's no man next to her. Yeah, and I always assumed that Mrs. Kim was just single and we never talked about the dad, but I have been informed that she is not. Yeah, she's got a dad. We just don't see him until the revival. So he is uh, either in a similar Gilmore situation where he's currently unable to sleep at the house or he is in a different room or something because he's not in that bed. I could see them sleeping in separate bedrooms. Yeah, like the Bible says. Mrs. Kim seems pretty asexual. Like, clearly she's had sex, but I don't know that it's a regular occurrence. Right. She's no Gil and wife. Right. Finally, we see a scene of Lorelai and Jason having coffee at the same coffee shop that she and Max had coffee at back in season one. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's supposed to be the same place because it's definitely been like revamped or redecorated, but it's all, it also definitely is the same location. Though. Yeah, we recognize it, but maybe you wouldn't have three years apart. Right. Lorelai tells Jason that she called all the hotels with nice tea times. That took me a second to understand what that meant. High tea. High tea times. Yeah. 
Well, he's been golfing this whole episode, so I was like, tea times. Now, now I get it, though. Like, she drinks tea. But she found out that her mom is indeed staying at a hotel and not in her house, and she's got an indefinite checkout date. She says she isn't sure what she's supposed to do. Just keep acting like she doesn't know that they're separated on Friday night dinners. I liked the line when she was like, we can't go to therapy. We repress stuff in this family. Why tell a stranger your problems when you can use them to punish those around you? Yeah. It's kind of sweet and interesting because she goes off for a while about this and then she says, I just needed a vent, which is what Jason said to her at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. And she's like, what did you want to talk about? And then he's just like, "Uh, I'm suing your dad. Oh, it's just business, baby. Yeah. Well, he almost sounds like Richard there because he goes on to be like, it's just business and I have to do it. And Lorelai pleads with him not to do it, then tells him that she just can't be with someone who's suing her family. Then she just walks out. Where's she going? I don't know. But that seems like a oof. What's going to happen? So I think that it's what Richard said to her, that she only cares about her boyfriend and not her family. I think Mm -hmm. that maybe got into her head and she's like, you know, maybe that is shitty. I should care more about my family. And maybe what Rory said when Rory like pleaded with her that like it's important that their family be together this one time a week. Yeah. And also, I mean, it is a predicament. Like say Jason were to win and her parents lost everything. Her and Rory would lose out on some inheritance potentially. Yeah. I don't know that it's really about the money for her, but like it's it's not really a good look to not side with your parents. Yeah, I mean it's complicated, right? Because I mean I don't think she wants to see her parents destitute. No. Like Cuz she knows that Rory has a good relationship with them. Yeah, and I also feel like she hate loves her parents. Yeah. Like she does love her parents, but like She's not at a point at least right now where she would like fully disown them. Right. Sounds like that part's coming though. Well, I feel like she's been on and off with that. Yeah. She's not gone to Friday night dinner for chunks of time. Right. It's complicated because of Rory, I think. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she might. Yeah. It's tough, man. But that is an interesting thought that, that what Richard said got to her. I didn't think about that. And it was interesting the way Jason said that because he did seem like Richard there where he's like, it's just business. And she's like, I'm so sick of hearing that. Yeah. Plus, they're not like super serious. They're in a good place, but. She's got a key to the apartment. Yeah. It's not like she can just walk in there and watch him sleep, kiss him on the forehead whenever she wants. (laughs) Yeah. It's only been five months. It's not like a long enough time to disown your family over, probably. Yeah, it's true. A lot going on in After Boom. Yeah. Stacy, do you think this is a good one? It did. It was good. I don't think it was quite as good as Tick, 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 Boom, but for an After Boom, it was pretty good. Yeah. Did you like it? I did, yeah. I agree with you. I don't think it was as good as Boom, but there were some really good parts. I really liked, I mean, that Friday night dinner was great. So good. So fun. The stuff with Asher was kind of just whatever. Yeah. I I feel like Lorelai and her parents have better storylines this season than Rory does. Yeah, and the stuff with Asher seemed more simmer than Boyle. It was sort of like, yeah, yeah, stuff's happening with this. This is still happening. It's heating up a little bit, but like, we're not, we're not getting there. We're not. still tick ticking. Yeah. We haven't got to that Boom yet. Everyone's going to get some boom. Don't worry. Will Glenn get some boom? That's all the man wants. <laughs> I don't think so. Glenn, buddy, you'll get that boom. You'll get that boom. But yeah, very funny. Very excited to see where this Emily and Richard stuff goes. Lorelai just leaving Jason was huge. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I don't know what's going to happen there. And the, the Lane story was kind of weird, but sweet. That she clearly misses her mom. You could see where that's probably going. Yeah. But does Mrs. Kim miss her? She's got a little new daughter for a couple months, and then she'll just get a new one. I guess we'll find out. I think it's time for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharted. 
Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 4, Episode 19, we're off to see the wizard. Piper and Paige team up with a magical wizard to stop the coronation of a new source, not realizing that the new head of the underworld is Cole, and Phoebe is his evil queen-to-be. Jesus Christ! So much shit going on here. First off, first thing I gotta address. Okay. They're teaming up with a magical wizard. That's a bit redundant. It is. It is quite redundant. It's like a witchy witch. (laughs) Well, there was that vampire that they hung out with last week that was like not so great at being a vampire. Well, to be fair, actually, yeah, there's that, and also, we're off to see the wizard. That wizard was not magical. Yeah. So, okay, Brian, foot in mouth. And they're honestly, because of the Wizard of Oz, not quite sure if he will be magical. Like They're a little worried he'll be a hoax. Yeah, and he can't help. He's got that booming voice that the wizard from the Wizard of Oz had. Mm-hmm. He's like got the same setup. So at first they're like, what is this? But then they go behind the curtain and it, it, he just does look like a giant head. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay, that's just you? Yeah, okay, 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 cool, we're on board, we're on board. Yeah, he's like, ah, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. So they make a plan to stop the coronation of the new source. They're right. like, we'll be there at 7 p.m. for the coronation. We got everything in place, we got the bombs, we got the- They're gonna bomb them? Yeah, yeah, they're gonna magically bomb the coronation location. Right. So they get there, they, they, they gotta, something's wrong with the detonator, so that one of them's gotta go in, she looks in the window, and she sees that there's coal. And Phoebe, up on a throne, about to get coronated. The question everyone's asking is, are Cole and Phoebe evil? I'm asking. No. This is all set up. They're going to become the source and then not do evil. But we don't know that in this episode. It, it ends on them and up there. a big there. cliffhanger. Oh, man. Because, you know, we've suspected this whole time Cole might go evil again. Yep. And he's, he's done some, like, kind of low-key evil things this whole time. Yeah, low-key, L-O-W-K-E-Y, not low-key, the trickster. But, you know, still trickstery. Yes. Like, he's doing a lot of pranks around the house. Yeah, evil pranks. Like, he locked Andy in his cupboard. He, uh... Unplugged the toaster? I mean, that's a dick move. Yeah. You wait for that toast forever, and you're like, when is this toast coming up? And it never does. Like, that's a little evil. Yeah. Because he doesn't do a lot of nice stuff. No. Not for the sisters, anyway. For Phoebe, he does. So they they suspected him, you know, that Mm -hmm. he might be evil, but Phoebe, they didn't see this coming for her. Not at all. So they're like, is she under some kind of spell? Like, is he evil, and he's, like, tricking her? Does she got, like, a magical witch working for her? What's going on, Phoebes? Or, like, a mundane mundane? Like, what's happening? A mundane mundane? Yeah. In some books, like, mundane means someone who's, like, a muggle. I see. I guess I should have said mundane muggle. Right. Because Harry Potter vernacular is more ubiquitous than just regular English words. And more official. Yes. Well, we'll see what happens next week. This has been Meanwhile on Charmed. Well, Stacey, then we watched New Moon Rising. Can you tell us about it? Yes. So this episode is about Oz coming back to town and Willow having to decide between Oz and Tara, essentially. Yeah. And also about Riley and Buffy deciding if they're bigots. Mm Mm-hmm. And Oz's return sort of brings up some emotions that makes Buffy think it's time to tell Riley about Angel. Right. So it opens on Willow and Tara talking about getting a cat. They are moving very fast. I mean, we talked about getting a cat pretty early on. That's true. Okay. They're right on track. Definitely acting like they're maybe a couple now. But I kind of get the impression they still haven't had that combo. I don't know, man. I don't know. Tara's double-checking to make sure Willow isn't allergic to cats because she wants her room to be Willow-friendly. And then they, they do hold hands. That seems like more than a friend thing. Like, I've, I've held hands with a female friend, but th- this seemed like we're together. 
They're on their way to a Scooby meeting at Giles' place, and it seems like Tara's at least officially part of that crew now, whether or not she's Willow's girlfriend. I mean, she's seen plenty of demons at this point. Yeah, she might as well come along. Buffy's talking about how she's just not killing as much lately, which generally means there's a bigger, badder thing happening, like Adam, maybe? That's kind of it for the meeting. Anya points out this, again, could have been an email, which Giles takes offense to and just starts chewing out Anya. But this is interrupted when, well, 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 look who's back. Oz is standing in the doorway. Yep. No one knows what to say. Will is like, when did you get back? And he's like, pretty much now. I totally guessed his line. I mean, it's not like he's complex when it comes to dialogue, but just saying. I could probably write for the show at this point. Do you think they're hiring? Yeah, I think they are. They just got renewed for an eighth season. Aren't they? 20 years after the show had stopped airing. Aren't they like rebooting it or something? I mean, there's always talks about reboots. There's been talks for like a long time. Maybe they will. Okay, well, throw my name in. I can write for Oz. He's not staying long, but he wants to get together with Willow to talk later tonight. He leaves and Willow is just so confused. Tara's like, yeah, I'm going to go too. This is weird. I don't know how to be. Bye. Later, Buffy and Riley are having one of their graveyard patrol dates, just like her and Angel used to do. Riley kills a demon real quick, and Buffy explains that Oz and Willow had a really tough breakup and just kind of casually drops that Oz is a werewolf too. Hold on. We got to take a step back for this demon part. Okay. So they meet a demon. They think they kill it. Okay, let's take another step back. Demons generally have like specific rules for killing them, and it really varies on the demon type, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Some demons, you can cut their head off, that'll kill them. Some demons fire. Some, like, you need silver bullets or you need, like, something else. They just kind of beat up this one demon. And they're just, like, in a graveyard. And they're like, uh, send a team over here when you get time to pick them up. <laughs> and then did. just casually walk away and start talking. I'm like, maybe babysit that demon body for yeah, a bit. They don't know that that kills it or that it won't, like, spew some toxic gas into the atmosphere. Yeah, or even just, like, that some kid will stumble across a demon and be like, why is there a demon here? Like, right. I know you guys got to finish your casual conversation, but come on. Yeah. So he's laying there. Buffy's just dropped the bomb that Oz is a werewolf, and Riley's like, what now? How many monsters are you friends with, girl? Also, didn't know Willow was that kind of girl. Buffy's like, what's that supposed to mean? Didn't know you were such a bigot. What clues do you have that he isn't a bigot, Buffy? (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, he takes a lot of boxes that he might be. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Just saying. Not saying he has to be, but like, (laughs) you might want to double check first. Yeah. Also, we'll get to you, Buffy. You aren't so open-minded yourself later in this episode. Yeah. But clearly, Buffy's a little miffed at Riley for assuming that all supernatural romantic situations are black and white. I mean, clearly, I don't think it's like a how dare you judge my friend Oz or my friend Willow. I feel she's like, you're judging me for Angel. Yes. Even though you don't know it yet. Yes. She herself has dated an evil thing, but Riley doesn't know this. Oz shows up at Willow's dorm and invites her to come outside with him. It's a full moon and Oz is still regular. Oz says that Willow must have stopped keeping track of full moons after he left, which is maybe true. I don't think about when the full moon is, but if my ex-boyfriend was a murderous monster on the loose once a month, I might keep track. Also, I'd probably keep track if when he came back. Exactly. It'd be like, where are we? Like, do we have a couple days? As soon as you see him, you'd be like, wait a minute, what's tonight? Full moon. Oh, he wants to talk tonight? What? Yeah, that could be a trap. I mean, I doubt it's a trap. I don't think Oz is going to kill her, but. But she didn't know that it was a full moon until right now. And she's very impressed and happy that he is not turning. But now she's even more confused. He's regular? We could maybe be together? Apparently Xander told Oz that Willow doesn't have a new guy, so he's kind of hoping they can just, like, pick up where they left off. He says he's not going to push, but that he can be what she needs now, and 
clearly he wants to be together. Cut to what I assume is a different werewolf just wrecking some initiative guys, including Graham. Yeah. Who they never find. They find Graham, the other werewolf. Yeah. Is just on the loose forever. We're not certain that these are werewolves. The other thing? Yeah. I guess not. It kind of looks like... They look like werewolves, but it's never 100% determined that they're werewolves. That's true. There's also a deleted scene in this episode. I didn't see it. Correct. It's not aired. You can tell it's there, though, because uh, there's this Adam and uh, that dude that's with him. His name's like Jasper or something like that. I don't remember his name is. He's like his, his like dumb buddy vampire that he just gives exposition to. He's only been in one episode, and he would have been in this one, and you can tell because he's in the credits. But there's supposed to be a scene with him and Adam where Adam said that he released these creatures to, like, test the initiative. Oh. That, otherwise, we don't know who these creatures are. They're just some monsters that happen to be out at the same time. But Oz and Willow talk all night. He says he's been to Romania and to Tibet where he learned meditation techniques. And between this and some herbs, chanting, and charms, he can keep the wolf part of him at bay. And then he's like, maybe we can, like, sleep together now in this tiny, tiny bed? I think he means just, like, sleep, sleep, but he, yeah, yeah. he wants it to be, like, a romantic, cuddly sleep. And Willow's like, how about breakfast, where I don't have to think about my sexuality? He's like, cool, cool. And Willow goes to the bathroom, and knock, 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 Tara stops by. This is awkward. Oz and Tara alone together? Oof. And Oz is actually, like, super nice, because he's not suspecting romance between these two. Yeah. But Tara, again, is like, I don't want to be here. Bye. Riley and Buffy wake up in Riley's room the next morning, and he just starts doing push-ups immediately, which Buffy hates. <laughs> she makes fun of him for being like a good, wholesome, rulesy boy. Again, Buffy, who did you think you were dating? Yeah, I know. This is the guy. <laughs> yeah. She's still pissed about him thinking all demons are bad. She's like, there's some creatures, vampires, for example, where not all of them are evil. And Riley's like, oh, yeah, name one. He talks like a valley girl briefly. <laughs> Tell me, Bobby. You got one in mind? Spill the tea. But they're interrupted by Forrest, telling Riley they need him downstairs. Forrest, buddy, maybe turtlenecks aren't your look. This is the second episode in a row where you're rocking a turtleneck, and honestly, your head just isn't that much wider than that huge, huge collar you're wearing. Yeah, man. Especially with that shaved head. You're looking a lot more turtle than neck. Yeah. I just, like, don't know why they keep putting him in turtlenecks. I don't know. You know, it's just, like, such a weird choice for, like, a college student. I don't know. Again, California. Yeah. <laughs> Necks get cold there. It might be cold. When Willow and Oz go outside, they're both wearing coats. I mean, yeah. I think this is, like, March. Anyway, Forrest tells Riley that this group of guys got hit by these maybe werewolves. And Graham's not dead. He's hurt. But some other guy is dead. Buffy asks what kind of demon it was. And Riley's like, does it matter? And just storms out. Buffy goes back to her dorm, where Willow is in bed, all confused with the big stuff puppy. And she tells Buffy that Oz found a cure. Buffy's like, cool, that's, that's awesome. Why are you sad, though? You can, like, be with him. And then Willow tells her that it's complicated because of Tara. That there's something between her and Tara that's very powerful. And Buffy is very weirded out. This clearly made her uncomfortable. She didn't know what to say. Right. I just, I guess this was, like, 20 years ago. Rewatching it now with our current perspective, it just seems sort of like, wow, she's not taking that very well. But in the same token, like, this was 20 years ago. Like, your best friend has not shown any signs of being gay. Suddenly she's like, by the way, I'm gay. I feel like Buffy's more surprised than anything else. Yeah, which she later says, and I I think this is kind of supposed to parallel Riley not understanding. But it's still, I don't know, it just felt weird. She keeps adding Will to the end of her sentences, and Willow's like, why do you keep doing that? Are you freaked out by this? And she insists she's not, but, like, clearly her acting was, she got the note to be weirded out. Yeah. It wasn't just like, oh, you can interpret it that way. Like, they wanted her to seem weirded out. 
it's so crazy because I feel like I don't know if someone told me today that they were like one of my oldest friends were like yeah I'm gay I would be like oh I I might be shocked but I wouldn't be like Buffy where I can't get words out but I'm also like in my 30s and like again this was 20 years ago yeah I mean I guess if you didn't suspect at all maybe it would be you wouldn't know exactly what to say yeah like if my brother suddenly was like yeah I'm gay I'd be like whoa what not what like that's bad just like what when when yeah I'm interested what other people, especially like uh, any of our gay listeners, feel like in this scene. I thought it was mostly well done. Like, I liked the way that Will told her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that felt very real. She didn't use, like, the words, I'm gay. Right. But she definitely communicated what she meant. Yeah. And clearly Willow's still trying to understand herself what this means. Because she's like, I had had no idea this was true about me. I wasn't, like, trying to figure this out. It just kind of happened. Regardless of what Buffy thinks, Willow's still confused about what to do. And Buffy has calmed herself a little and tells Willow to just be honest with the two of them. And that no matter what she decides, unfortunately, one of them is going to have to get hurt, probably. So Willow goes to visit Tara. She wants her to know that she and Oz just talked. They didn't sleep together or anything. But she wants to keep talking with Oz. There's a lot to talk about. And Tara's like, no matter what, I'll still be your friend. Willow's like, totally, of course. Everything was just so bad after Oz left, and I was so depressed. I just wanted him back. But then you came along and made everything good. And now he's back, and I don't know what to do. And Tara tells her to do what makes her happy, and they hug. I gotta say, Allison Hannigan, like, acts the hell out of these emotional moments. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I think Amber Benson's a very good actor. Mm. There's a couple scenes in this episode where I'm like, what? I-, I don't dislike her character. And maybe the way she plays the character is, like, what they wanted her to do. But I don't know. It just feels like one note and forced at times. Yeah, I don't know how. I want to reserve judgment for how I feel about Tara's character because I feel like we just like learn more about her. She's just like such a mousy character, which is not like any of the other characters. That could be. Like she's mousy in a way that like even season one Willow wasn't. Yeah. She's like stuttery and like like holds her head down all the time. Right. I just feel like there was a couple scenes where she like wasn't matching her scene partner's commitment yeah. level. Interesting. I, I don't know that I can comment in agreement with you. I'd have to rewatch it. Okay. This whole episode so far, I'm, like, really feeling for Willow. Like, this is a really tough choice. Yeah. She's finally moved on, and she's happy, but I also really love her and Oz together. Yeah, and I think she does love Oz. Yeah. But, like, maybe she's always been gay, and that was just, like, she loves him for him. Yeah. I mean, we also don't know that she's gay. Like, she hasn't said those words. Yeah, she's gay. (laughs) Well, you're telling me that, but... Right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she could be bi or pan. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean she's only into women you're absolutely right and we don't know what her sexuality is at this point in the show at all like well at all we know that she is interested in tara too right but we don't know she's not interested in men right she's clearly loved oz and xander and giles yes and giles apparently we just remembered that last episode so i don't know to me her sexuality i believe you she says she's gay at some point but at this point her sexuality seems fluid yeah it's a spectrum so as happy as I was to see Oz back and in a good place, I was kind of assuming that this has to be too good to be true. Right. He's not going to have this as under control as we think. Then Tara and Oz run into each other in the hallway. And I'm like, oh shit, one of them is going to have to kill the other one. Yep, that's how it has to happen. <laughs> and so they do. First off, Oz mistakes her for Willow. And then he notices she's wearing her sweater and that she smells like her. Tara's like, I can't talk about this. And Oz is like, there's something to talk about? Are you guys in love? Willow did not tell me that. It's He's suddenly like quite out of character. Like This is very emotional for him. Yeah. And then he starts to change a little bit and tells Tara to run. 
That's so nice. <laughs> like, even though he's- I know what you mean, but- <laughs> Run! It's so nice. Even though he's very mad at her, he's still like Oz enough to know- Right. I don't want to kill her. Yeah. She's important to Willow, and I'm not a murderer at heart. Yeah. Then he fully changes and chases her into the one classroom on this campus. There's this weird fight choreography where there is none. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this classroom is a lecture hall, and Tara, like, runs to the top of the seats on one side, and Oz does, too, on the other side, and then kind of just, like, shuffles in place and then goes back down. I was just like, ooh, scary. He ran back and forth at you. <laughs> yeah, real aggressively, though. I don't know. They just like clearly didn't feel like making them fight for real. Well, I mean, if it was a fight, Tara would not win. Yeah. He just like gives up and runs back down. <laughs> so she throws a chair at him, which knocks him out. And then it cuts back to Tara. And while the camera's on her, Riley and his boys hit Oz with a dart. It's weird that that happened off screen, but yeah. I guess you can't like show it going in. So they come in and collect him, assuming it's the thing that hurt Graham. And Tara's like, no, you don't understand. That's a person. And Forrest is like, shh, shh, you're clearly a woman and you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and she's like, but those turtlenecks don't look good on you. He's like, shh, shh, shh. they look great on me all the time. <laughs> but it's sweet that both Oz and Tara are caught in this awful situation, yeah. but they don't want each other to get hurt. They're both good people. Willow, you know how to pick them. Can't you just take them both? I bet they'd both be fine with it. Yeah, I don't know. At the initiative, they've got Oz all locked up in this little cage in the big, big aluminum room. And snack table Greg is back. Just some random doctor who probably isn't important but has a couple lines this episode again. They're doing a bunch of tests to figure out what kind of demon this is. But Riley and Forrest are impatient. They just want to kill this thing like men. Yeah, it's also just like, is that your purpose to kill him? I thought you guys were like studying them and like maybe rehabilitating them. I guess because it killed their friend. They just don't care. But this isn't the same creature. It's a different color. That other one was like a lighter fur. Yeah. But also, I feel like they would do tests on him. They wouldn't just be like, we're going to blow its brains out. And then like, who's running the initiative? It's like ultra secret, ultra like top run secret government stuff. And also super like anything goes. Right. Well, Riley's about to shoot Oz when he changes back into a human. Weird crossfade to Oz just naked on a table. And Riley is suddenly super protective of Oz, trying to convince them not to hurt him. Because they're about to do a test on him, which is just shooting him with a lightning gun. Yeah, the test was like, uh, so what if we just shock him a bit? I don't know, (laughs) this is science. They say it's to get him to turn in reaction to negative stimulation. But they don't say that to start. All we see is like a scientist just walk up to him like, and science. (laughs) (laughs) I just love his science. I I like the idea that this is not a scientist. It's just a dude that snuck into the initiative because he had a lab coat. Yeah. I mean, that happens. It happens all the time. Half the people there don't work for the initiative. This episode was very good, but I feel like it really oscillated between like heavy emotional beautiful scenes and like what the fuck is the initiative (laughs) yeah it's just anybody can do any it really is a fraternity that just (laughs) decided that they're gonna do some monster science tara goes to tell willow about what happened with her and oz willow's like what he changed during the day willow shares this with the gang at giles place i just want to point out that 80% of Giles' lines this season are delivered in profile with him in a different part of the room while he's eating or drinking something. (laughs) Like cleaning up some plates. Like they'll all be by the table talking about something and then just casually from the kitchen he'll say something snarky as he takes a bite of a cookie (laughs) or a sip of tea. Giles season four, baby. Yes, well, I'm in the kitchen right now. Joke, joke. 
Riley's not answering Buffy's pages, so they're going to need to find a way to infiltrate the initiative without him. Xander and Buffy have done this before, so MBD. Willow insists on going in, but come on, Willow. How are you going to blend in? There's no way anyone's going to believe two women work at the initiative. <laughs> Wait a second, woman? Whoa, no. They don't know how they're going to get in, though. No way Buffy's clearance still works. Or you could just take the back way in, says Spike from the other side of the room. Where'd you come from? Couple things. Why haven't we done that sage spell to uninvite Spike from Giles' house? Like, I know he has the chip for now, but how about we do that just in case he somehow gets that chip out? Absolutely. Like, we, I get that the audience loves Spike. So the writing is why Spike is not dead. Because on paper, Spike should be a dead vampire already. Yes. But like, fine. We're keeping him alive? Fine. Like you said, just make your house so he can't just walk the fuck in. They made a big deal out of doing that to keep Angel out in like season two. And Giles is like, how did you get in? And Spike's like, the door was unlocked. But Giles, you have a way to keep him out besides the door. But also, lock your door, dude. Yeah. (laughs) There's so much evil shit in Sunnydale. I mean, he probably wasn't the last one in. Someone else could have maybe locked it behind them. But yes. The second thing is Spike has a whole side story with Adam, which I will talk about now. (laughs) So earlier at Spike's house, Sleepy Spike was just sleeping on a table. What happened to his coffin? He's not afraid anymore? He's just sleeping on a table? Well, he went to the initiative and they didn't recognize him, so I guess he's off their radar. (laughs) He's feeling very emboldened, but Adam just pops in. He's got a proposal that they help each other. They don't really go into any of the details at all, but Adam seems to be planning some kind of demon-human war, and he needs heavy casualties on both sides. He wants Spike's help in getting the Slayer because the humans need a leader. This was also nice. Spike's like, yeah, Buffy's soup's annoying, but when it comes to fighting, she does tend to win. Spike, you sweetie. You admit Buffy's good. I mean, he's had his ass personally handed to him several times by Buffy. She's also killed some major demons. You just never get to see him admit that. Right. And Adam's like, well, okay, if that's the case, then be on her side. I don't care. Unclear what his plan is, but if all goes to plan, Spike will be able to get his chip out. So that's why he's helping. Adam assures him of this, saying, scout's honor. (laughs) And Spike's like, you were a Boy Scout? And Adam's like, parts of me. That was great. <laughs> so sincerely, like he doesn't get that it's funny. Right. That's the one good thing about Adam is not understanding jokes or humor or anything. Right. There was also kind of a fun scene where Adam initially like comes up to Spike and like interrupts his sleeping. And he's like, I want to talk to you. And Spike's like, all right, let's go. And then just like tries to punch him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like nothing happens at all. He can't. So now Spike is seemingly implementing this plan by going to Buffy, and he's going to help them sneak in. He says he's helping them because he likes fucking with the initiative guys. They keep asking, like, what he wants. He doesn't really say. He's just helping them. Oz is naked and afraid in one of the initiative's holding rooms, and Riley sneaks in to bring him clothes and help him escape. They're walking through that big main room. It's dark. Suddenly, all the lights come on, and all these dudes with guns show up, including Forrest and Graham. Riley, you Judas! Are they just, like, all waiting in the dark, too? It's just, like, the lights come up and, like, 50 dudes were just like, yeah, this is gonna be a birthday party surprise. Yeah, like, did they expect Riley was gonna do this? Probably not. Because they were all there, ready to go in the dark. Right. Also, I just want to point out, Spike, this is maybe the only time in the show where Spike is wearing something different. (laughs) Yeah, he's He's got got initiative gear on. Yeah. Dude could throw a hat on his, like, glowing-in-the-darkness white hair. That's true. Just because they didn't recognize him when they were tipsy at their frat party doesn't mean they won't recognize him when he's in the initiative where they have seen him before. Yeah, I mean, I want to say you're right, but the initiative's so goddamn bumbly. I don't know, man. <laughs> Got a different leader every week now. Yeah, I know. Jonathan was just in charge two weeks ago. <laughs> 
It's so weird, too, that they give Riley two friends, but Forrest has, like, a thousand times more lines than Graham. I know. <laughs> the writers are just like, we want Riley to have two friends, but only one of them is important. The other one does not matter. I like that the other one is like, he's real hot, but dude could barely speak. Yeah. Maybe he just was bad at acting. So, like, Forrest, you do all of it. You do all of it. Well, I like, I think the actor just that plays Forrest is good. So yeah. I feel like he does his lines well. But it is funny that they're just like, and uh, Graham's here sometimes. We're going to name another one of these guys, but he's he doesn't matter. No, he doesn't matter. Except this episode where they care very much that he got hurt a yeah. little bit. What is happening? There's music. It's that fucking lady. Okay, our loud neighbor. It's been a while since she appeared on the podcast, but you might hear her. She's singing at the top of her lungs very off key. I wonder if she's naked. I'm going to go look. Just for context, this woman has been naked in the window before. That wasn't just a random thought Brian had. She only gets naked to the pure moods type music. No, she's cooking. Okay, she's cooking. Well. Yeah, we've mentioned that before that... Once in a blue moon, she pumps out some music and then just, like, oils herself nakedly in the window. Uh, she's not doing that now. She's just cooking, but... So they put Riley in the brig. He gets a dressing down from another new military person. Where's the guy from the Jonathan episode? They had brought in a new dude. Yeah, I don't know. I don't... This is not the same dude. I think they even say, like, yeah, I'm new here. I don't know. Uh, having a hard time keeping people. <laughs> But he says that he's read his file, he was an exemplary military man, till he met this girl, and now he's out there setting hostels free? Honestly, though, what this dude is saying is totally valid. What Riley's doing, by the laws of this organization, is pretty fucked up. Yep. But he calls Riley an anarchist, and says he's gonna get court-martialed for his involvement with Buffy and her band of freaks. And he might lose his military career, unless he helps them take Buffy down. Spike and his friends have arrived at the back door. Adam is like tracking them with this wire jacked in to the side of his head and he unlocks the door for them i think but spike pretends it was just unlocked meanwhile giles and anya are hacking into the mainframe you know the two biggest computer nerds of the group yeah the one person both of which are the oldest people in the group yeah they're trying to shut down the power to the initiative willow was gonna like teach giles how they set that up and then the power gets shut down but again pretty sure it's adam that actually does it yeah but Giles and Anya high five, something they're both clearly doing for the first time ever in their life. Yeah, she goes to high five and he's like, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and then they hurt themselves. Yeah. Buffy finds the sleeping new military man and she's like, do you know who I am? And he does. And she says, then you know I'm pretty good with this thing. Meaning the little bow and arrow she has right in his face. Yeah, Buffy, everyone's good with a bow and arrow from one foot away. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that would be scary if anyone was holding that. Yeah. They're there to rescue Oz, but the colonel mentions that Riley is also in captivity, so now they gotta rescue both. She finds Riley, and he's like, you know, if I leave, I can't ever come back, but pretty quickly decides that that's okay. So they take the colonel hostage, threatening to kill him if he doesn't help them set Oz free. They open Oz's cage, Willow runs to him, and then Oz starts to change a little bit, and he tells her to get back, and then he gets himself under control. They take the elevator out, they're about to leave, and the colonel tells Riley that he's a dead man. And Riley's like, no, sir, I'm an anarchist, and punches him in the face. So Riley's just like a fugitive now, and he's camping out at Sunnydale High for some reason. It's a good place to do push-ups. <laughs> yes. Except last time they were there, they were like, we need to get out of here now. It's going to collapse. Yeah, there's mayor goo everywhere. But I guess him and Buffy are sleeping there. These two that can't keep their hands off each other are just going to, like, hope they don't fuck the building down. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's uh, so funny that you say that. Why? Does that happen? No, that's just a really funny idea. What? There's some hidden meaning behind your words. What, fucking a building down? Yeah, yeah, there still is. I predicted something weird. You didn't predict anything. <laughs> oh my god, just... You have no idea what you're talking about. I don't, but I feel like I do. You're just a woman, and that wasn't a <laughs> werewolf. It's fine, Tara. Just shush. <sighs> Whatever. Riley's just happy to have finally chosen a side in all this and admits he was wrong about Oz and says that he was being a bigot. And Buffy's like, nah, you were just thrown, just like me, when I found out Willow was gay. And Riley's like, Willow's gay? That's not okay. That doesn't happen, but I maybe wouldn't tell Riley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would, I would run some tests by Riley real quick first. And then Buffy says she's ready to tell Riley about her past and that he might not like all of it, but he tells her that she can tell him anything. She's like, yeah, I think I can. That was nice. We can assume she's going to tell him about Angel. Yeah, yeah, And I'm pretty sure Angel's in the next episode, so it's probably good to get that out of the way before he shows up. Willow and Oz are sitting in his van. They talk about how her upsetting him seems to be the one thing that can still bring the wolf out. I don't really get that, but okay. So it's her fault. I get it. Totally understand. But it's only if she's upsetting him, and she won't do that again because they're happy so they can be together. Right? Right? No. Oz sees that Willow is happy with Tara and that it was stupid to think she'd still be waiting for him. And she's like, no, I, I like did wait for so long. She says that some part of her will always be waiting for him and that part of her will always be with him, but not now. So Oz is going to take off pretty much now, he says. It's so sad. Yeah. I love them together, but like, it makes sense. He's got to go shoot Austin Powers 3. Yeah, totally. And he leaves. It's certainly very late at night, but Willow goes to visit Tara with an extra flamey candle. That's what she says. Yeah, you didn't make that up. And Tara's like, I understand that you have to be with the person you love. And Willow says, I am. And that she feels bad what she put her through. And she's going to make it up to her right now. And Tara blows up the candle and they do God knows what. Oh, God knows what they did. It was unclear if she meant sexy things. Probably. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't have to be. I feel like it's weird to do your first sexy things in complete darkness. Right. I just don't know if it was their first sexy thing, honestly. Yeah, it's that's that's unclear also. They could have just held hands, did spells. The, I, exactly. The, their most intimate moment we've seen was that spell where Willow came. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't even know if they've kissed yet. It's true. Okay. Brian, was this a good one? I do think it was a good one. In fact, it was better than I remembered. Yeah, I really liked it. I think what you said is right where there was some really good emotional moments, especially from Allison Hannigan, coupled with some moments that were like, what is the this initiative storyline bullshit? What, yeah. What the hell is Adam? Who it cares? It was a roller coaster. I feel like we were really wrapped up in the emotion and the drama of the episode, but then we would be like hysterically laughing at something. Yeah, some cardboard bullshit that's supposed to be an initiative computer or something. Yeah. Honestly, the season four initiative background story, just it's the weakest seasonal story. Season, ah, it is the weakest one. Goodbye. That's funny. Thank you. So I think I think it was a it was a really good episode. I mean, you just got to overlook the initiative stuff because they've already kind of painted themselves into that corner. That's just the story they've got this season. Yeah, I mean, the actual initiative mumbo jumbo was stupid. The fact that there's a new colonel in town after introducing a new one last week is like, yeah, nobody wants to be part of this show because this season's written badly. <laughs> but I do think that. Riley, like, officially quitting was cool. Yeah. And Riley and Buffy having to deal with the angel stuff was interesting. Yeah. I wish, honestly, and this is a spoiler, but, like, Oz is done now. He's not coming back. 
He will be referenced and they'll be like he his character has some screen time and some stuff, but he he's not coming back to the show. He's done. The storyline, the love story is over. Oh. But they will see each other in Istanbul and they're old, like they said. I know they will. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think they do meet in some, like, non-canon comic book stuff. So, I mean, I'm sure someone's like, but in this one, they, sure. Or even canon comic book, I don't know. But uh, Oz is not going to be coming back to Sunnydale in the show. Well, Willow's had a nice journey this season so far. Yeah, and it's good to see that they finally pulled the trigger on the Tara thing. It's like, this is a relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's an official thing. And I, I think it's cool. I think their relationship is pretty great. I hope Riley thinks so. <laughs> now that he's an anarchist. I, I don't buy that line, though. He's like, I'm an anarchist. I'm like, are you, though? Yeah. What else have you rebelled against, Brian? Yeah, dude. I feel like you're the kind of person that if someone fucked the rules over in a board game, you'd, you'd throw a fit. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if this sticks for him. Yeah. I do think it's a good episode. Yeah. Which episode do we think is better? I will start. I think Buffy was better. I think Buffy's better, too. Gilmore was still good, but yeah. I think Buffy overall had more emotional pull for me. When we ended the episodes, I thought for sure it was Buffy. After talking about Gilmore again today, some of that stuff is really great. Yeah. That Friday night dinner scene is mwah. But it's really a small segment of the whole episode. It is. And the rest of it is just kind of not filler, but like... It's legwork we need to do, but isn't that exciting to watch? Transitory? Is that the right word? I like, don't know. We're, we're setting up a lot of stuff. Like, the Asher stuff wasn't really that interesting. Yeah, it's legwork, but... Yeah. It was all entertaining, but it didn't quite have, like, the impactful moments. I miss Oz. And, like, not actually seeing the, the breakup of Emily and Richard was maybe a bummer. Even though that Friday Night Dinner moment was great. Right. But maybe we'll see more Emily and Richard drama to come. Oh, I'm sure we will. It wasn't like a blowout. I liked Gilmore Girls. I mean, it rarely is. It's not, it, actually, it was a while ago. There was that real shit Buffy. You mean last week? Was it last week? Where the wild things are? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was clearly <laughs> a blowout. But yeah, I just like really thought they did a good job showing the struggle that Willow had to go through. Yeah, great job, Allison Hannigan. Yeah, it was it was well written, it was well performed. Good job, everybody. Good job. Well, everybody, uh, Gilmore Scoobies, uh, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer season four, episode twenty, the Yoko Factor, as well as Gilmore Girls season four, episode twenty. Luke can see her face. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Is it weird that Lane just, like, stared at that girl sleeping in her bed? What would you have done if you had woke up and you were her? Do you think Forrest looks good in turtlenecks? Do you think it's weird that Luke is just, like, unceremoniously having somebody finalize his divorce papers? Do you think he needs to do something special like Lorelai implies? Why didn't Giles put a spell in his house to keep Spike out? Does he want him there? What's the deal with Graham? Do you think Asher Fleming's hot? What was your first high five like? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email to brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. Brian with a Y, Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash brianandstacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live stream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, we post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. Do you want to go cuddle? Some intense cuddling? Yeah, with our mouths. Oh, yeah. Back and forth till we knock over school? Oh, yeah. 
Whatever that means. It's nothing. It's not the, anything that happens in the show ever. Bye.